0: This is SymphonyCast from APM American Public Media. I'm Melissa Owsley. Tonight, we're at Orchestra Hall in Minneapolis for a concert with the Minnesota Orchestra under Karina Kanellakis. This is her third visit to Orchestra Hall, and this time she's chosen a program that spans about 55 years. In just a moment, you'll hear music from the 1950s by Julia Perry. After intermission, Rachmaninoff's symphonic dances composed about 10 years earlier. And between the two is Richard Strauss drawing inspiration from Don Quixote, the main character in a 17th-century novel by Cervantes. Don Quixote is described as a man who is sleep-deprived and who reads too many books on knighthood. He has, quote, "...dried up his brains in such a way that he wholly lost his judgment. His fantasy was filled with those things that he read, of enchantments, quarrels, battles, challenges, storms, and love." For Canellacus... It's a dynamic piece of music.
1: I love the music of Richard Strauss very much. There are always very epic-sounding, long lyrical lines in his music, but at the same time you have very humorous bits. And this piece in particular has a real storyline, obviously, to it, and so everything is, is so clearly audible in the score and the way he writes, for example, the Sancho Panza character with solo viola, but it's not just the solo viola, because solo viola is often playing with the piccolo. What an interesting combination, viola and piccolo, or with the bass clarinet, or with different members of the woodwinds, and the way that the different instruments sort of weave in and out of each other's lines is very inventive and uh, just so beautiful. I mean, that last section of the piece is very moving, and I think it really does something to you as a listener when you hear someone who was such a master of orchestration. That was Karina Kanellakis
0: talking about Richard Strauss, whose Don Quixote is on the way in about 10 minutes. In the orchestra, Don Quixote is portrayed by a solo cello. For this concert, Jean-Guillen Keras makes his Minnesota Orchestra debut. Welcome to APM Symphony Cast. We begin with a short piece for orchestra by Julia Perry, who was born in Kentucky and raised in Ohio. She studied voice and violin at Westminster Choir College. When she became interested in composition, she followed the path of many by moving to Paris to study with Nadia Boulanger. Julia Perry was 28 and living abroad when she wrote this piece. That was Short Piece for Orchestra from 1952 by Julia Perry, played by the Minnesota Orchestra under Karina Kanalakis on Symphony Cast. Perry started having health problems when she was in her 50s. Although that forced her to slow down, she still managed to leave behind lots of choral music, three operas, and 12 symphonies. She was 28 and studying abroad when she wrote the piece you just heard. We're spending a couple of hours in Minneapolis, Minnesota today on APM's Symphony Cast. I'm Melissa Owsley. The orchestra gets larger for the next piece, Don Quixote by Richard Strauss. And since you can't see how the stage looks, I'll point out that the strings are set up a little differently than you might imagine. The first violins are in the customary spot to the conductor's left, but the violas and cellos have swapped places. That puts the orchestra's principal viola, Rebecca Albers, right across from concertmaster Susie Park. In Don Quixote... She takes on the role of Sancho Panza and has several solos, so it's nice to have Rebecca more visible to the audience and in a spot where her sound may carry better. Cellist jean Guillén Queiras is Don Quixote, and he'll sit on a small riser between the conductor and first violins. When I asked him about performing Don Quixote, he said he enters the stage not so much as a cellist, but as a character with a rich imagination.
1: As a cellist, I think the thing we have to do which is very specific to this piece is that we don't play cello, we are Don Quixote. And that's uh, what uh, I had to learn when I when I started to play this piece that that you really when you enter the stage, you shouldn't be performing a piece for cello, you should really go into the role. Like, like an actor, goes into his role. And, and so when I prepared, I plunged again into Cervantes, into, the, into the, the book, so that I can really enter this very, very peculiar, obviously, very... Basically, he's a psychopath, but a nice... But a one that we love, because there is so much love in him. He's so filled with love that the whole thing is... Uh, get this beautiful artistic dimension.
0: That was cellist Jean-Guyen Caras, who has swaggered on stage with conductor Karina Kanellakis to play Don Quixote. Strauss presents his storytelling in a set of ten variations, but I must say, it's easy to lose track of where you are. So follow as you're able, and if you get lost, just let your imagination run wild. (laughs) ¶¶
2: (laughs) you <laughs>
0: Was Don Quixote by Richard Strauss, played by the Minnesota Orchestra, with solo cellist Jean Guillen Quejas taking on the title role? The guest conductor is Karina Kanalakis on Symphony Cast. Don Quixote is a piece that drew inspiration from the main character in the novel by Cervantes. In bringing the story to life, Strauss gave the title role to the solo cello. Don's squire or servant, Sancho Panza, is eventually taken on by the solo viola. Tonight, you heard the orchestra's principal, Rebecca Albers. The music takes us through some of Don's adventures. By the end, he's arrived home, he is weary, and he knows that death is near. Just before Don Quixote slips away, he recalls his life with three themes from the beginning of the piece, played one last time before his final sigh. Coming up next, Rachmaninoff's Symphonic Dances. This was his last orchestral work, And conductor Karina Kanalakis sees it as a reflection of who Rachmaninoff was and some of the dark thoughts he was facing at the time. She'll say more about that in a minute. We were at Orchestra Hall in Minneapolis with the Minnesota Orchestra on APM's Symphony Cast. Welcome back to Symphony Cast. We're at Orchestra Hall in Minneapolis with the Minnesota Orchestra. I'm Melissa Owsley. Rachmaninoff left Russia after the revolution in 1918 and never went back. But for the 25 years he spent living in exile, Russia was never far from his mind. Russian was always his primary language. At his villa in Switzerland and his homes in New York and Beverly Hills, California, his family observed Russian customs entertained Russian guests, and even employed Russian servants. And in his music, there is often a depiction of bells, which is a distinctly Russian sound. When I told Karina Kanalakis how much I love the way the symphonic dances begin, how it sounds almost cinematic, and how much mileage Rachmaninoff gets out of three notes, she pointed out that the very first beat is a rest, and then it starts with two tiny repeated C-naturals in the violins, It's so timid and such a charming departure from what you might expect until a few moments later when he introduces a rich orchestral sound.
1: She also steps back from those details to get the bigger picture. To me, this piece has a real personal touch and there's a lot of him in it and there's a lot of, I think, what he must have had on his mind and what he must have been thinking about. Um, I mean, we know that death, as almost as a character in a story, was very present in, in his mind. So the fact that it's called Dances is a little bit misleading. It, it of course, has a lot of dances embedded into the, into the writing, but there are so many layers of emotion in the piece, and there's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of desperation, uh, and, it, and it always comes when you least expect it. where do you think we come out at the end of those dances? Is it a sense of triumph or what? That's a good question. I mean, I think the end is dark, but it's dark in the way that uh, if you were carried away in some sort of nightmarish, yet very sensual world (laughs) where it's a little bit Terrifying and it's a little dark, but it's also there's something that you also are attracted to. (laughs) That's how I think of this piece, like a sort of very seductive cloaked figure who scares you, but at the same time you you can't help but follow that person. That was Karina Kanellakis talking about Rachmaninoff's
0: Symphonic Dances. There are three in the set, and they began life with the titles Noon, Twilight, and Midnight. Although Rachmaninoff eventually took those titles away, they still make sense. Here's the Minnesota Orchestra under Karina Kanalakis on SymphonyCast. That was the Minnesota Orchestra in Rachmaninoff's last work, his Symphonic Dances from 1941, a favorite of conductor Karina Kanellakis on Symphony Cast. At the very end of the dances is a tam-tam, and it's always interesting to hear how long the conductor allows the sound to resonate. When I asked Karina Kanellakis about her approach, she said it depends on several factors, including the acoustics in the hall, the player, the instrument and the size and mood of the audience. She likes to let it ring for a long time, but not so much that the audience is hesitant to be part of the room's dynamic. Well, tonight's crowd wasted no time in starting their applause here at Orchestra Hall in Minneapolis. Some solo bows for members of the wind section, including Jim Romaine. He's the man who usually gets the call whenever there's a saxophone solo, and that was the case tonight in the first dance. The Minnesota Orchestra was in the spotlight on this week's Symphony Cast, featuring short piece for orchestra by Julia Perry, Don Quixote by Richard Strauss, and Rachmaninoff's symphonic dances. I'm Melissa Owsley. You can listen again from our website, yourclassical.org symphonycast. From our website, you can download free music and like us on Facebook. That's yourclassical.org symphonycast. In the remaining time, we'll hear one more performance featuring the Minnesota Orchestra, this time led by Osmovanska. This is the Symphony No. 3 by Sibelius on SymphonyCast. Symphony No. 3 by Jean Sibelius. That performance featured the Minnesota Orchestra, led by Osmovanska Vanska, on SymphonyCast. You can listen to this week's show featuring performances from the Minnesota Orchestra from our website, yourclassical.org slash symphonycast. And from our website, you can also download free music and like us on Facebook. That's yourclassical.org symphonycast. APM SymphonyCast is produced by Daniel Nass, with technical director Michael Osborne. We also had assistance from producer Mike Pengra. I'm Melissa Owsley. Join us again next time on SymphonyCast. This is APM
2: American Public Media sharing the power of classical music.